to Expounded Universe, Season 12, Episode 8. It's always December 15th, 2011 somewhere. The book, Ruins of Dantooine, by some authors. The year, 1994. Wrap up, no chapters, featuring Jeff and John. Expounded Universe is filmed before a live studio audience. Let's go! Hey all y'all, welcome to Sit... Wait, no, Expounded Universe. Welcome to Expounded Universe. I'm having a normal one. It's me, Jeff, joined as always by my co-host and good friend, John. John, how are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm having an extremely normal one as well. <laughs> I've just gotten out of a conversation with some people who were asking me if I was ever going to uh, take the side of like a bad internet person, I guess because one of the dollop guys took the side of that bean dad Twitter guy. Yeah. I mean, the dude who was doing the, the bean dad guy is some podcaster and I forget what podcast he's on. So it makes sense that he has some other podcaster friends, but mm. man, maybe don't jump in and defend the guy that doesn't want to feed his daughter. Cause it's more important to spend six hours talking about the beauty and utility of a can opener. That part where he was like, it's not designed for beauty or it is a beautiful object or whatever was really the standout to me because, frankly, I, I see enough child abuse on the internet to not even be surprised anymore. It just gives me the shudders because I have a kid of my own and I'm like, ugh, fuck this. If a kid's already hungry, they're not going to learn shit. Oh, yeah. You're going to be like, okay, you're going to want to do this. Yeah, okay, I'm hungry. Give me food. I am a child, yeah, a literal so, child. But... Yeah, the, the part where he was just, like, trying to explain to her by being like, the can opener is not aesthetically pleasing. I was like, okay, they're already hungry. You can't get into this Akewood-type dialogue shit with them. They're going to just lose the thread entirely. Uh, good lord. But yeah, but apparently one of the dollop guys, I have to assume the worse one. Hmm. Because uh, there is a good one and a bad one. The the good one is the, is the non-host, the one who's the permanent guest, and the bad one is the actual host, because he is just a mean old piece of shit he's basically a podcast scrooge ah uh even if he's actually a very politically good kind of dude and everything he's just oh i just uh i wouldn't want to hang out i wouldn't want to spend an hour with him is basically where i'm at <laughs> i wouldn't want to spend six hours uh, with him talking about a can opener no i would not absolutely not and i wouldn't want him but no i have i i think i've made it as far as i can without milkshake ducking so it's about time that I do something fucking stupid. Do you think that's right, or can I go for the ten-year? I mean, at this point, there's no reason to. We may as well shoot for the Tom Hanks. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Don't worry. We are not about to milkshake duck. We are. We are going to stay the course and find that Bean Dad guy confusing and reprehensible. <laughs> Just but like how I are you otherwise? You. I was. <laughs> whoa. Hey, that's in a pro pro. I'm a. I'm. I'm totally prehensible or whatever the opposite of reprehensible is irreprehensible <laughs> yes <laughs> so well it's not hensible that can't be it wait a minute you're not hensible at all <laughs> uh, uh i got to try uh, your new board game uh I, I, the, the or a new board game that you own and i found it very fun indeed yeah so that was nice uh and other than that it's just been a slow 
couple of first years or first days of the year for us. Uh, first me, years anyway. of the year. <laughs> well, after 2020, I did feel like every year, every day was a year and every year was an additional year. Yeah, it's uh, uh, still in it. Time is mm-hmm. meaningless. Yeah, and I got to tell you, little little inside baseball secret, having the most boring Star Wars book that I have ever come across did not help. You know, wasn't looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm but gonna, now I'm gonna I know go what ahead I, and say I don't think yeah. this is the most boring Star Wars book ever that we've read. Okay, okay. Which one would you say was more? I mean, I, and again, I'm not doing this to to, to to argue with you intently, but which one did you find more boring so far? Oh, I would definitely say the. Uh, Fucking, what the hell is the name? Planet of, that? of Twilight. Uh, the, uh, the courtship. Is it the, which courtship, courtship of Princess, Princess Leia. Leia? Interesting. Okay, I would not have thought that because courtship. I thought. I mean, granted, a lot of stupid shit happens, but at least a lot of shit happens. Eh, it's it's a waste of setting up some very interesting things and not doing enough with them. Like you set up okay. an entire new empire. With the Hapens and all of these weird UFO ships that they have, and then they immediately don't matter until the very end of the book, and you set up an entire planet with, like, four switches, but you only kind of meet two of them. I guess that's true. I mean, you do meet a lot more of the force good witches than the force bad witches, but but yeah, there's... There's a lot that th- it feels like there's a lot of room for expansion and improvement and a lot less focus on Han being petulant and shitty. Yeah, I probably if I were picking a, a, a most boring one outside of this book, which I, I would maintain is still my least favorite, the most boring, not my least favorite. Uh, I would probably go with Planet of Twilight because it was just a giant waste of time. Ugh. It was just characters trying to find other characters and crossing paths with other characters and never actually doing anything. And the mystery was completely fucking to- point toothless. Oh, yeah. No, there's there have been at least three books that I think are exceedingly bad at the whole, like, not using everything the way they should and stuff just kind of lets sit around and not do anything with it. Like, they present neat ideas and then it just kind of floats there <laughs> and i would say crystal star be- is the other one i was gonna say crystal star hasn't even come up in the conversation yet and that one historically had been considered the worst expanded universe star wars novel before the legends crossover uh because i, I assume because the writing style is very hammy and and uh just about everything is as stupid as it can get but at least it kind of chugged along like you had multiple disparate threads going the problem was just that leia's thread was so bad that it poisoned everyone else oh i mean the problem is again you also have stuff like "Ooh, what's going on on the actual station with the crystal star it's like oh there's a weird interdimensional being that can either murder you or heal you or give you powers and it's probably the weirdest thing that will exist in star wars we will not get into it yeah no that's definitely true we got this and the big threat, the craziest threat on the board, takes itself out because it's grumpy. Yeah, I just, uh, that, I mean, <laughs> Ruins of Dantooine, I'm not gonna, like, go to bat for, but, mm-hmm. you know, it it is definitely not the worst, but, you know, I'm also gonna say it is very far from the best one we've done. Well, what I would say is that it's not the worst, and you're right there. 
but I would say it is the most boring. I'd say the least stuff that's interesting happens in this book would be, I mean, we got to have a lot of different qualifications for bad because that's all we do. Yeah. But I mean, I can understand at least because the main character and narrator of this is probably the most boring character that we've ever had in a Star Wars book. Yeah, I would say the only one that even comes close is probably Zaveri. But even then, it's because we never got anything about Zaveri. If we got into her stage magician background, then sure, I would have been amazed with it. You know, the, the other one who turned out to be surprisingly boring and it was disappointing to me was is uh, Dash Rendar. I had high hopes for that guy, and then he just sucks and has no reason that why he sucks so much, and they just sort of writes himself out of the story, and you're like, well, that, was, that guy was pointless. Well, he certainly was in this story. Yeah, surprising. Very surprising. Uh, but yeah, that's what we're here to do today. We're here to wrap up the discussion regarding Ruins of Dantooine by Veronica, Whitney Robinson, and Hayden Blackman, uh, the only book that is uh, set around the Star Wars Galaxy's MMO, and and. I will maintain that it was hyper boring, uh, but I don't know. What else can we talk about or say about it, really? I mean, for me, I already mentioned in the last episode that I think this had the best portrayal of Leia in any book we've read because it was competent and, you know, did her business without seeming racist or terrible in any way. <laughs> I guess that's true. It didn't come across as racist. Uh yeah, no, so I think that's okay. And I would also say, I think this book definitely has the problem of wanting to have, like, enough MMO stuff in it to warrant being a Star Wars Galaxies book. And that's what mm -hmm. I feel drags a lot of it down is because it's like, well, we have to do planet hopping because we've got to show off all of the different, you know, planets that you could go to in the game and some of the items and creatures that are there every time. <laughs> and, and also the mechanics of play need to come up on a fairly regular basis. Yeah. So the fact that there's crafting stations and that you get relaxed by watching dancers need, both need to be mentioned not once but several times. And I mean... I'm not going to say that this would be a better book without the MMO trappings. That's I, I would not anything I believe. I think I would say it could be a better book or it could be a worse book in a variety of ways. I, I feel like I would have had a better time if it had straight up absolutely 100% leaned into the wind on the MMO stuff and just started using fucking the proper nouns of shit. Just being like, and then they went to the crafting terminal, TM, where they spent 3.6 seconds making a med pack. Yeah, because there's, I mean, there's the two funny. ways you could go with it. You either go full humor where you're just going to be like, okay, well, you know, Dusk was like, I can't shoot him. I'm on cooldown. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was hoping for. Like, as long as you're going to have this much crap from your MMO in it, you might as well go whole hog. But the other side of it is. Without all that, you're pretty much just left with a very vanilla romance story with a boring betrayal at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A very predictable twist because the show, the, uh, I would say one of the biggest problems with this book is that it has like no characters in it. Yeah. Sure. It introduces Lone Reg towards the beginning and you're like, oh, neat, a cool like imperial like intelligence officer or assassin or whatever the fuck he was. And then you never see him again. 
you get the Dread Pirate Nim for a couple paragraphs of one chapter. You get Tendow Nandon, who dies right away. And then you just have these two other characters who, ostensibly, you know that one of them's story is not that she's an Imperial spy, which means that one of them has to be both the Rebel Agent and the Imperial spy. Yeah, if they had managed to, even a little bit, like, put some sort of, like, ooh, you know, there's a few times where, you know, it seems like they're being followed, or, oh, there's someone that, you know, oh, that looks like a person that we saw on this other planet, to try and remotely throw you off that obviously Finn is the agent, then that would at least give you, you know, when they reveal it, you'd still be like, okay, yeah, that was fairly obvious, but at least it wouldn't be like, yeah, you've introduced zero characters that aren't these. You you can't have them be anything else. I feel like this book really needed, and I know it's supposed to be very much about these two main characters and their romance and everything, it needed some sidekicks. Not just Tendow, but it needed another rebel or something who went along for the ride with them and so on, just so you could have more people to guess as to who the good guy and the secret bad guy are. Yeah, yeah. I also think if you're going to do a full, like, romance story in Star Wars, they should have had more time to really flesh that out, because most of the time it was just oh, we're doing our mission stuff, but we have Dusk being like, ooh, I know that I'm about to murder some guy in cold blood, but have you seen this guy's booty? Damn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, You know, I feel like basically what I really wanted was for Finn to have a sidekick. Uh, that that would have really helped out the situation. If he had already conned some other person into being a rebel and been like, okay, I'm on... Oh, and this is my my buddy. He's and he doesn't even need to. He could be a droid. He could be a Wookie. He doesn't even need to be a thing that can talk. Yeah, uh, in, in basic, uh, just someone who's there to kind of bounce off of and kind of groan at the jokes that Finn tells and so on. Just so our our only interpretation of of what Finn is like and who Finn is is coming from a woman who is obviously smitten. Yeah, I mean, as well, if you had him with like, oh, and this is my you know, spy partner, whoever, he's new. Then you'd be like, oh, he's new, huh? Oh, he must be the agent who's just wormed his way in. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's there's just so much room for improvement here. It's true. There's I mean, a lot you could do with this. Now, I've checked, and this is the only novel that has anything to do with... Uh, the MMO, that that MMO. And there are novels revolving around the world that the other MMO takes place in, although I don't think any of them are branded to it. But there are novels about characters from the Old Republic series. So you've got, like, Darth Revan novels, for example. Mm -hmm. uh, I have to assume they don't work the same way because they're not, you know, old, whatever, Star Wars, the Old Republic, or whatever that MMO is actually called. They're not branded to it. Yeah, uh, I don't know but, if there are any Swator-branded books. No, well, no. Like I said, there's just books that are that are branded around that era. Yeah, just Old Republic era, but not Swator specifically. Exactly. So there's plenty of those. Uh, and and I find myself wondering if this book isn't a singular thing that exists. Like, granted, there's probably MMOs or, or novels built based around a lot of MMOs. I mean, we know the World of Warcraft ones, but they have fairly high standards for their writers. 
But it makes me wonder if there's like EverQuest novels that read like this. God, I swear, as soon as you said that, I was like, there has to be an EverQuest novel. There has to be. I mean, because I have a bunch of EverQuest shit lying around, and I've only ever tried the game for like a split second. I have the uh, the D&D thing for it. Yep. I'm going to look it up right now. Let's find out. Yeah, let's... EverQuest no- Let's oh, look God, up EverQuest so novels. Many. So many goddamned novels. Oh, no. There are a ton. Woof. You got the Rogue's Hour, Oceans of Tears, Truth and Steel, the Blood Red Harp. Yeah, this is uh, great. I love it. Befallen. <laughs> the Plane of Hate. All right. Well, now I got to wonder if any of them follow the thing that makes this so singular to me, which is that this book is written with an eye for the MMO, where it constantly references it and not just the things that occurred in the MMO. You know, it, which is an unusual conundrum that this book finds itself trapped in. Nothing fucking happens in that MMO. Yeah. Ewoks have a festival. So the only thing you could write about it to center it in or, in or on the MMO is mechanical shit, because that's all it had to offer. True. So weird. Anyway, you got anything else you want to throw in about it before we dive to listener questions? I mean, the book itself, I want to say, like... I keep wanting to go to bat for it, and I don't know why. I keep wanting to be yeah, like, I don't know oh, why either. It wasn't as bad as I definitely think it is. <laughs> uh, I don't know. No, it's just, it's definitely as bad as you thought it was. I know, but for some reason, I want to be like, oh, but it's, it's an MMO book. That's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I'd say hilarious is about as close as you can get to it. Uh, it's mostly like like I like I'm saying, all the value you can really pull from it is the novelty factor of hey, you remember that RPG that lasted from 2004 to 2011? Well, what if there was a book that made constant references to it and had a thin plot otherwise? Yeah, 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 yeah. God. Yep. So, anything else? I mean, I just this book was a desert to me. Ha. Huh. I can't wait to tell you what we're doing next, because it's going to be a lot more pumped up. Yeah, pump up the jams. Yeah, I really wanted a palate cleanser from this, so we're going to go to something that's from the opposite end, from boring to just fucking extreme. Just just uh, see to your pants bullshit all the way through. Hell yeah. It's going to be mm-hmm. Qui-Gon Jinn doing sweet lip tricks. <laughs> yeah, it's Qui-Gon Jinn Skateboard Adventures, a young adult novel. <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinnit is only 13. Ooh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he hates slimy girls, which is why he'll make a perfect Jedi someday. <laughs> exactly. But for now, he needs to win the skateboard competition uh, to beat that evil uncle of Sebulba who's good at skateboarding instead of pod racing. And that way they can save the local Jedi Rec Center. Hell Yeah. Can't, does he have to have what it takes to take down, I don't know, Sabalbag, oh, the evil nephew? Sabalbag. <laughs> who's the evil nephew who's also the uncle? <laughs> uh, no, it's not that. Oh. We, have a, we have a cool new book coming, so get ready. It's coming. Uh, we don't have that many questions, but we might as well dive into them. Yeah, man. I mean, I feel like there are definitely some questions we can spend some time on as well. Yes, absolutely. I, mean, I agree. I'm going to go down to the bottom. The first one here uh, from Hit the Targets 
Hey, John and Jeff, thank you for putting me first, by the way. How would you improve this book and or the in-game quests that may have been based on it? Alphabetical. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, one of the things I was saying is it feels like the main issue with a lot of things is the pull from the two different, you know, credited authors of one wants to do almost a bodice ripping romance story in star Wars. And the other wants to put as much MMO shit in as possible. If you just allowed for one or the other to have their creative vision, then at least you'd have like a comprehensive theme for your book. And Mm -hmm. I feel like a romance novel in star Wars would be interesting enough that at least without all of having to do all of the like MMO cruft and instead replacing all of that with some more romance nonsense, you'd be like, all right, well, you know, it's not for me, but I can understand that it's there. I can see that. Uh, I would also think that one of the ways you can improve this book, and I've already mentioned this, is uh, by leaning on the romance thing. A romance novel is not a romance novel without a difficult choice and this book needs another person for dust to pick between and finn yeah a werewolf a werewolf obviously and it, it needs a sparkly werewolf definitely a sparkle wolf with two dicks and and bright red orange and purple fur yeah you know like that one that we the- saw in the cantina <laughs> exactly that's things you don't know about lax <laughs> that was a bad dye job over his red orange and purple fur and all Shistavenans have at least two and possibly more dicks. <laughs> two plus dicks. <laughs> yeah, I would say that this needed a little bit more of a love triangle angle one way or the other. Uh, you could probably do it by switching Tendo out from a uh, Ithorian to a species where she was going to be able to feel any kind of attraction to them. Uh, or you could add another character. Uh, you could make you you could have uh even nim would have been a perfectly fine person to be a third part of the romance arc if he had just stuck around for an extra couple of minutes i mean the other you thing you can even tell because at one point they try there's a point where she's like "Ooh, that han solo what a man solo <laughs> uh and then they just immediately set that aside because the book doesn't have the stones to keep using han well no i don't think they were allowed to use much of them that's what I meant by stones. The uh, the 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 weight of of importance. Ah, uh, yes, these important stones. Hmm. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think if they had, you know, instead of trying to be like, "Oh, what a twist!" Bet you didn't see that coming with Finn. They had instead revealed that from his point of view earlier in the book, and made like the readers aware of this complicated uh like inner emotional turmoil that he's in of you know oh he does love uh dusk but he's so afraid of the empire and we find out a little bit about that if we had gotten some of the book from finn's perspective i think that also would have helped because just dusk's perspective on everything means you're getting the same sort of thing over and over again. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I uh I, I feel like I would probably the other thing I would potentially want to see is just a lot more agency for Dusk. 
Dusk spends so much of this novel being pulled around by her elbow and kind of going, well, I don't want to go there, but I guess I have to, where I feel like if the twist at the end had been revealed that Finn was the bad guy and then the secondary twist was that she knew, I would have liked this a lot more. If she was like, yeah, I always knew. I was just trying to turn you to the good. Exactly. And and at that point, she re- instead of having to have Luke pop in at the end and, and rescue her out of fucking nowhere, if she had been like, oh, I set a trap. And we talked about that, that there's a point where she gets her hands on like uh, the dermal regenerator or whatever it was, the tissue regenerator, that kind of shit that was happening towards the end. Because it was just a bunch of like, oh, by the way, this is what med packs and Star Wars galaxies look like, blah, blah, blah. Instead of, yeah, she's setting this stuff up so she can have a sudden reveal where she turns the tables on the obvious spy fin. Yeah, but no. So. Unfortunate. Unfortunate indeed. Uh, All right. I got more questions. Go for it. The next one is from Monsieur Chuck, and he wants to know, uh, this has probably already been asked, but no, this is only the second question, but what would your dumb, crazy, or weird EU novel be? Make a pitch. Make it a pitch. Make it a pitch. What do you want to hear? What, what, uh, what would you like to write about? If you were suddenly contacted by Disney's publishing house, uh, frankly, at the moment, if Dis- if Disney offered me a-, a book, I'd say no because of the whole fucking uh, royalty thing. <laughs> Burn in hell, mouse. Uh, I mean, I would definitely, as I think we've said previously, I think you you really want to make sure you're doing a story kind of outside the main story, which is one of the things, at least, that this book did was... It wasn't a Luke story or a Han story or whatever. You could do things outside of the canon because it wasn't any of the canon characters or plot events. And I definitely would want to do that. It's funny how hard it is to come up with a character that doesn't already have like a bunch of novels or short stories or something about them. If you're trying to pull someone from the the movies. Which I like, would. Even if you're pulling... Yeah, like even Lumpy, the little crazy monster character that turned out to be Chewbacca's son from the holiday special, has a whole fucking adulthood arc in in one of the uh, EU novels. Yeah, no, I would definitely want to have just a character, new character, also not something like Dash Rendar where it's like, what's this? Oh, it's an established character with a serial number filed off, and I just sort of go ahead and say, ah, it's, I, I made, uh... Brook Walk Grounder. Eh? <laughs> He's the land stander. Yeah. Like, I, I wouldn't want to do that. I would want to just be like, here's a cool story from somewhere else in the galaxy that doesn't have anything to do with this, but you still need to have some stakes for the people doing it, but not have it be like, ah, oh, yeah, and it turns out this whole thing was... What sets up the Bothans to get the plan? You're like, nope, nope, just its own thing. Let's see. I would probably want to write something where a character who should have succeeded in in, uh, the Rebel Alliance or the Empire or something is just brusquely shoved aside so that, like, Lando can get a generalship. Like, oh, we just met this guy and he betrayed us, but in the next movie, he's a general. Yeah. There's got to be some dude in in the Rebellion who's like, I've been loyal and working for the Rebellion for 15 years and... This guy gets promoted? What the shit? Yeah, well, you know, then you've basically got one of the many <laughs> angry ladies of the Empire. Yeah, there you go. An angry lady of the Empire one. Now, granted, there's there's several books about them, 
But I feel like a lot of them can be... There's a lot of room to write a story about a, an Empire-centered uh, female character who does not belong connected to a male character from the Empire. They don't have to be like, oh, well, I was friggin' uh, Admiral Piet's secret girlfriend. Mm. Like, I can do without that. Now, granted, that already exists, because I think that's what Dr. Afra is. Uh. Or she might be independent and just sort of occasionally bounce off Darth Vader. That might be what the... The basic thing is with that. Um, but yeah, I think I would want to write something about a character who has to find a new path after they lose their shot to one of the main characters in the movie, and they don't necessarily plot against them. It's not a, it's not a secret revenge against uh, Lando story. They just go off and find a new way to make their way in the in the world. Because, one, oh, well, one of the things I found fascinating in Last Jedi, even if I feel like they dropped the ball on it a little bit, was the Benicio Del Toro character. Mm-hmm. Where he was just like, what are you? Well, I'm just some sort of generic crime man. Like, I'm not Empire. I'm not Republic. I'm I'm just out there for myself, and I stay that way. And I could I, I could see something about, like in that, like a person who has to navigate the Empire and the Republic without ever really coming too close to either one of them. And again, that's just the Mandalorian. Fuck, this is hard. Ah. <laughs> All right. You want to go on to the next one? Yeah. So from uh, Fasting Expert Tinker... The EU writers tend to latch onto one thing the movies say and make that a character's defining feature. So Lando does mining, Han gambles, Luke is obsessed with the Force. What lines from Star Wars could they have instead latched onto, and how would that affect the stories? Examples such as Luke bullseyeing Womp Rats, turning him into a space redneck deer hunter, or Vader's no disintegrations, turning basically any bounty hunter into the disintegration job, where basically every bounty hunter weapon has a main disintegration feature. Uh, you know, I feel like, hmm. just looking at that, the bullseyeing Womp Rats thing, if you had made luke into a sharpshooter like sniper type that would have been very interesting he's like oh no i'm an amazing shot instead of going the he's an amazing pilot just because he is it was like no i spent all my time out in the desert shooting things because that's all i had to do and you're like oh mm -hmm. yeah he's ridiculous with a blaster that would be very interesting yeah i could see that uh I think there's a Luke line I really liked that uh, was, how's it go? Uh, hang on just a second here while I try and remember it. <laughs> it's that uh, line that goes, hey, who wants to see hey, me get my dick wet? Here it is. It's a, it's a Return of the Jedi line. You'll find I'm full of surprises. And I wish it, it was an entire, uh, <laughs> I don't know, uh, fuck, pinata, I guess? Uh, <laughs> pinata like like if you knock him open he just just tumbles out all kinds of cool shit yeah there's a point where he's fighting vader and uh he manages to actually hit uh vader with the saber and he's like hey you'll find i'm full of surprises and i was like oh i kind of hope that means he's gonna like bust out all sorts of goofy force tricks ah so that that's one for me where i because one of the things problems i've always had with luke is he rarely does anything new with the force once he figures out how to kind of jump and use mind tricks and block lightsabers or block shots with lightsabers so they go back to the person, he's more or less done. Ah, I mean, except so for like the EU see... books where he definitely will randomly get some bullshit. Yeah, every once in a while he gets a power, usually because he'll meet some alien that unlocks it for him. He'll be like, I know how to shoot this entire planet as a cannon, obviously. Huh? I'd like to see him friggin' teleport or something cool like that. Why not? It's the Force. Do your thing, man. Ah. 
I also do appreciate that no disintegrations implying that all bounty hunters disintegrate all the time. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, instead of like the Mandalorian, like, wall o carbonite, it's just a whole bunch of little baggies of dirt. <laughs> like, and here's this disintegrated guy and this disintegrated guy. Yeah, they just hand it down. Here you go. <sighs> here's a big old lump of ash. There's also, uh, what's the line? It's, uh, how you doing, you old pirate? What are you doing? Which is a line from, uh, or so good to see you. And it's it's a Lando line to Luke at the beginning of Empire. And I like the suggestion that, Land, uh, that or, sorry, Han at the beginning of Empire. And I like the suggestion that Han is actually a pirate and has done pirate stuff in the past. Oh, yeah. He's not just a smuggler. He does piracy. Yeah. Like, he's actually boarded other ships and stolen their shit and everything. Actually, turns out he's a privateer. He he has one of those marks so that he goes and does it officially. Also, the uh, from from Solo, another Lando line I really liked was "Everything you've heard about me is true," and I'd love if that was the case. If there's just so many ridiculous Lando stories, so that literally everything you ever hear about him, he's like, "Yeah, I did that. That was also me." Also, so that's, me, that's yes. another one I'd like. To, yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely did that. Oh, I did that. Boy, I'm really bad at that that how dirty are you game that people played from the internet in like 2007. Ah, that or just make it so that instead of mining, Lando's thing is losing vehicles. <laughs> Gaining and losing vehicles. Yeah, honestly, given the amount of time that that Lando and Han bet like planets and spaceships and shit, it'd be kind of neat if that was literally their, their primary character feature. Uh. Like, Han, we, we need to escape. Oh, hang on. I'll, I'll bet that stormtrooper that I can. I, 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 and I'll win his TIE fighter. I bet I will. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> I bet you that ship that I'll win his TIE fighter. All right. I'm going to move on. The next one's from uh, Oh, It's Comic. If you guys were put in charge of writing a tie-in novel for the Star Wars Galaxies MMO, what would the general plot be like? And how heavily would you incorporate actual in-game content into the book? Well, I mean, as we mentioned, I think we would go hardcore into the MMO territory. Oh, whole hog, yeah. It would basically be a Prima strategy guide that has a comic in the margins that has a plot. Ah! <laughs> It'd be like uh, Nintendo Power, where you had that little Nestor and uh, what the other guy's name was, comics, uh, where they would be like, now we have to learn how to play Tetris. And there would still be some sort of plot, but it would be barely there. Oh, It'd yeah. be about as much plot as you see on the side of a Happy Meal box. <laughs> there would be points where you're like, all right, and we met some guy, and he's like, I need you to sneak into the skip. <laughs> except... I need you to collect ten bear asses. Except, thank you. <laughs> all right, here's your ten bear asses. Thank you, traveler. We've Okay, skip. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much just that. I watched a dancer for 11 minutes. Then I tipped her 50 credits. I think she might have been a bot. <laughs> uh, might as well go all in like that. I can't think of a good reason not to. Oh, hell yeah. That would definitely be a pleasure to read. Yeah, well, granted, I've already read one pleasure to read. I I'm sure all I can do at this point is hope for more. Hmm. All right, what else you got here? Uh... So Lindworm asks, we know that EU writers are obligated to put in appearances by the main cast, no matter how brief or perfunctory. And if you were writing an EU book, what's the most passive-aggressive way you could include our beloved heroes in your otherwise OC book? <laughs> so it's, okay, well, we'll have to set the book in, like, the, the original trilogy era, obviously. Obviously. I mean, honestly, mm -hmm. you don't have to. 
I could be like, oh, I just said it before the original trilogy and uh, very briefly meet one of the characters somewhere. Mm -hmm. The very end of the book, my original character throws a young Luke Skywalker a power converter. Well, in Rogue One, there's that scene where you can see Dr. Evazon and Ponda Baba just walking by in a city. Yeah. So that's the kind of thing you could probably get away with. You'd just be like, and then uh, a a young man with a red stripe down his blue pants walked by. Uh. He held a blaster slung down low. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I said it way before the original movies with a young PvP, and I let him know that the best <laughs> thing he could ever become is the Senate. Well, obviously, he was the judge of the Qui-Gon Jinn skateboard contest. Obviously. Mm-hmm. That's how he got his start. That was his first public office type role. Official skateboard judge uh, having to make a decision and, and hold up one of those little like signs that gives a number or, or a number uh, after each of the major skateboard tricks between Qui-Gon and Sabalbag. Of course, he wasn't that much older, so it'd be like, you know, Qui-Gon's 13 and he's like, what, 18, 19? He's a counselor at the camp that this skateboard contest takes place at. Oh, man. Camp counselor SheVP. Are you getting uh -huh. me? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, new book. Yeah, okay. That's that's our new book, and that's how we fit everybody into it. It's Camp Counselor Palpatine at, at Camp Sithawana. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> and everybody who's an old person already in the prequels is there as a kid. Uh, having to deal with camp. So you got like Mace Windu. I'd say the camp administrator is Yoda because Yoda, I think, is already in this in his what late eight hundreds at that at that point. Yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. Maybe he drops off Yaddle because Yaddle's four hundred and eighty three when when uh, Phantom Menace happens. So she's only like half his age, and she could be his daughter who has to go to. She's another one of the uh, the counselors. Ah, ooh, does romance blo blossom in Camp Sithawana between Yaddle and Palpatine? You'll have to read to find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Palpatine wants to raid the camp across the lake and kill everyone. <laughs> yeah, Camp Youngling. And the <laughs> camp Younglings? Jesus fuck. <laughs> uh, okay, that's that's our pitch. Uh listen, if you're Dave Filoni, contact us right away because this has this is gold, baby. <laughs> this is pure gold. This is the best shit you're gonna hear. Yeah, the camp chef is Yariel Poof, and he's always all wacky and putting stupid things out in front of everybody. Oh. How much sulfur do you kids like on your tacos? Uh, none? All right, I heard a lot. I have tiny ears on a big spindly neck. Oh. <laughs> There's one cabin that's just Kiati Mundi fucking the whole time. Oh, yeah. Every time they get, you never see him. There's just always a sock on his cabin door. <laughs> Who's in there? Kiati Mundi and probably some other Syrian women. Don't ask questions. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think that didn't really answer your question, but I'm going to pretend it did. Yeah. Uh, Richard <laughs> Richard KL asks, which other EU book that you've read would make the best MMO content? Oh, I mean, obviously it's Star Trek X-Men Planet X. <laughs> what kind of... Okay, are you purporting or proposing an MMO... That is both a Star Trek and an X-Men MMO. I am indeed. Okay. Uh, now, there are there is already a Star Trek MMO. Then uh, there's you, plenty you... of, uh, you know, superhero MMO stuff. Yeah, there's a, there's a DC one. I don't think there's been a Marvel MMO yet. There's there's The closest you probably got was that Diablo-like Marvel game that was around a while back. 
yeah, you had the the one where you could play as established ones, but Marvel never put out a create your own hero in our universe one. Yeah. So, but would you would you be okay with just taking Star Trek Online and adding the X Men to it as playable characters? Oh no, or like bridge crew. Because Star Trek Not Online is it's kind of a a giant mess of we put this game out and we're still putting things out for this game because you know there are still people out there paying for it, but it's just layer upon layer of stuff to the point where. I feel like if you tried to change anything, the whole thing would come collapsing. Maybe. I mean, they did a huge overhaul a couple of years ago now where they finally fixed it so that the, the ground combat doesn't completely feel like nothing. Oh, yeah, because it was nothing. But, yeah. So, I mean, now that the ground combat doesn't suck, you could potentially add X-Men to it and not have it be a huge problem. But no, let's let, what, what's your pitch? Let's hear the ground floor sales pitch for Star Trek and X-Men, the MMO. Okay, so here's the thing. We do... Close to the Star Trek MMO thing in that it is split up between ship and uh, ground combat. And depending on what you pick, because you can pick to be a Starfleet or an X-Man, uh, okay. Starfleet's going to get way more capabilities in their ship. X-Men, mm -hmm. obviously, more on the ground. But you can still do stuff. So if you're like, oh, I'm an X-Man and we're doing ship-to-ship -ship combat, you're like, oh, well, you can still help out in certain ways. You're not useless, but you're not going to have the bonuses that, say, you know, a Starfleet captain does. Yeah. Yeah. And also, you could just teleport. You, you could easily send over bridge crew of X-Men and just fuck up their ship. Yeah. So I feel like you'd want to have that or make it both where you're like, oh, you play, you make the ship. And then you make a mutant OC as your away mission character. Ooh, okay. I can get into that. I was going to say, it, it'd be kind of neat if you could work in the couple X-Men era uh, spaceships as things that you could uh, obtain. Oh, like that's get definitely for the whales. Where you're like, oh, okay. oh do you want to pay yeah. $50? Here's a Shi'ar cruiser. Yeah, or uh, obviously you're going to have a whole bunch of missions where you have to fight the brood. Oh, yeah. And of course, they're out in space. You can spend real money if you want the Blackbird or the Starjammer or is the Starjammer even a ship or is it just a, a, a team of Starjammers? They're just a team of jam Stargers. OK, I don't remember if they have the if their ship has a name at all. I don't know, because who would possibly give a shit about the Starjammers? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm Googling it as we speak. Yeah, I mean, same, obviously, duh. Uh, looks like, uh, their ship is, the oh, no, wait, okay, it doesn't even say, like, well, who knows, sad. it just says that they're the Star Jammers. Oh, no, <laughs> transportation, the Starship Star Jammer. Oh, okay, well, there you have it. There you go. Yep, so, uh, but yeah, that's definitely another ship that you gotta be able to buy with real money. Oh, of course. And I feel like it's gotta work the other way, too, you gotta, you gotta be able to purchase some ground-only shit for, uh, for Star Trek that, that becomes your badass bridge crew, like, if you wanna spend, send over that that xenomorph-looking species from Voyager, but it's species 3472 or whatever. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, you could get things like uh, you can pay some money and become, like, a founder or whatever. Oh, uh, the uh, yeah. Yeah, the founders. And and run their whole Jem'Hadar armies and so on into other uh, enemy ships and oh, what yeah. have you. Playing as a founder means you play, like, a mastermind in City of Heroes where you just send out Jem'Hadar. <laughs> oh, that makes so much sense. You've got, like, three primary Jem'Hadar soldiers, then you've got two 
Vorta thinkers who who hang out behind them and hand out buffs. Yeah, and then one super badass Jem'Hadar guy. Yeah, an extra big one or something. Technically, there were a few more species that were members, but they they all got dumped when they realized how easy it was to do the makeup for just two. Yeah. Uh, That would be awesome. I'm way into this MMO. Right? (laughs) Right there with you now. (laughs) Well, it helps that there's so many X-Men's threats from space. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of crossover stuff you could do. There's plenty Mm -hmm. of ways to make this work in interesting ways. So I feel like that would be fun. You got a raid against the Dark Phoenix Force. All good things. Yeah, that's uh, that's great. So hopefully it answer your question. I'm sure everyone was kind of hoping for a Star Wars answer there, but Too oh bad. well. <laughs> you can't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, uh, you might find it. I'm going to skip the next question because we'll make it the last question. Okay. So mark that one down. That'll be the last question. Uh, from Epicurious, do you think the book would have been better if they got right at the chapter at the beginning introducing an Imperial spy? I mean, theoretically, largely because you had two, you you introduced that there was an Imperial spy and a rebel agent, and then there just weren't enough characters for both of them to be somebody. So it was boring because it was so predictable. Yeah, by the time you get a little over halfway through the book and they have not introduced the Imperial spy, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Alternatively, you could fix it by having Lom Reg be a real character in the book. Well, if he showed up again at some point, that would be a thing. Then you'd be like, all right, we're kind of setting up that there's some measure of political intrigue aside from the exceptionally obvious. So there are two ways to fix it. You can either excise that chapter entirely because it goes nowhere and introduces a character who does nothing or lean into it and actually use that character for something. Yep. So there's two possible answers. Neither of them is the best, but I like them anyway. Well, and we got one more before we get to the last question. What do you got there, John? Uh, I mean, we actually have several more, but whatever. Uh, you do? Then ask him. Mine doesn't show anymore. So, going back up from where you skipped through, I'll do an easy one. Fuck, Mary, kill, Finn, Dusk, Tendow. Uh, oh, yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, I feel like obviously you gotta kill... Finn. Uh, Finn. He's such a coward. He's just a piece of shit. He's, no he's an imperial, obviously you do. Yeah, he's an imp. No one wants to hang out with this guy. Uh, and I definitely I think the problem marry Tendow just because, you know, I feel suck. like that would be a much easier life than trying to marry Dusk. I don't even I, the thing is, I don't even want to marry Dusk. I don't feel like she's at a good point in her life to marry. Like she really needs to develop a lot more of a backbone she, as a person. She needs to really think about what Dusk needs and figure out yeah. who Dusk is. I feel like right now, if I were if I were to, to marry Dusk, I'd be just the latest person grabbing her by the elbow and dra- dragging her around. Like, I don't know if I want to get married. Well, I already put you in a wedding dress, so let's go. I mean, I also don't want to just automatically pick fuck Dusk, but it it's pretty much more like that's the option that's left. Because, yeah, Mary Tendow, that guy, that guy was rad. Oh, yeah. I would love to go on adventures with Tendow and, you know spend time with him i'm sure he has rad stories yeah or even just settle down with him somewhere that'd be fine by me that dude seems like he's stable he's got his life more or less figured out and that's what i'm looking for in a marriage partner yeah and dusk i mean i'm gonna go with fuck dusk but not in the uh, carnal sense <laughs> yeah fuck dusk fuck dusk <laughs> uh i mean i'm not i'm not exactly saying no but 
I feel like it's the same thing. I don't want to be the latest person. She needs to figure her shit out. Oh, yeah. I mean, if she needs a fling to really, you know, get a wild weekend in to figure out what she wants, that's fine. I can be that, but I don't want to spend like my life with (laughs) Dusk. No, neither do I. And I'm right there with you on that one. So I think overall that question, that's pretty much the only possible right answer set. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, Obviously you can see more of these questions than I can. So feel free to ask some more. Uh, Let's see. Oh, I just found all the ones you were talking about. Dang. Good job. (laughs) Sort of the flip uh, of the last one we did, if you were hired to write a tie-in novel for a long-defunct MMO, what MMO would you choose, and what hyper-specific elements of the game would you choose to focus on? Oh, gee, that's tricky. There there aren't that many dead MMOs at this point that I, I really knew that much about. I mean, yeah, obviously, saying City of Heroes is the very easy one. Yeah, I'll be honest, I, I never even understood the stuff, that the shit that was happening in City of Heroes. Like, I knew there was a plot, and there were a bunch of characters, and there was, like, an alternate dimension or something, but I never knew what the fuck was going on. I mean, and that would be a great thing to have a novel for, because I feel like a lot of people had that, because unless you really wanted to, like, go around, and all the information was there, you could find out literally everything that happened in that world, but you'd have to give Mm -hmm. a shit to go get it. So I guess maybe a novel that's straight up just called Praetoria and it explains everything about that tie-in or that add-on? Honestly, I would say I would want a novel set in City of Heroes during the initial Richty invasion. Okay. Yeah, so so aliens are coming down and it's it's kind of neat because one of the best ways you can do an alien story is to pitch them against some sort of equal but powerful but not really the same thing foe like cowboys or dinosaurs. I can see superheroes versus aliens. Yeah, the initial Richty invasion, you get a lot of uh, stuff with, like, villains and heroes both battling the same sort of forces. You get uh, some of that Patriot number one or whatever the fuck that guy's name was who died trying to Mm -hmm. stop the invasion. Yeah, there's a crapload of stuff that was already dead content by the time I got to it in City of Heroes. So I'd be happy with doing a novel just to understand more about any one of the little bits. I would love to know what the fuck was going on in Cimarora and why you ever even went there. Ah. Or uh, Dark Astoria or uh, any one of those places that was obviously some sort of top-level content at one point. Ah. Where I just don't even know what... what the Shadow Shard is another one where I'm like, what the fuck is this? Oh, yeah. The Shadow Shard is the other one where everyone's like, what? Why are you flying like 30 miles between these floating islands and you fight a bunch of like 10 soldiers out there? What the fuck is this? I'm just, I just fought an eyeball with a crystal coming out the top of it. I don't know what this is. Did David Lynch write this MMO? <laughs> that's so, so that's something where I would, I would definitely want to just to understand a little more to either read novels or write novels set there would be, would be fine by me. Yeah. There you go. Also, one set in Fallen London. I think that was a setting that had some teeth to it, and and it just didn't last and it died. I don't know if it's an MMO technically. It was like a first-person shooter. Yeah, but it was MMO. There, it was an MMO massively multiple players. Yeah, so that would be something where I'd like to... Uh, I feel like that died before its time, and I would have liked to read more about it. Well, there you go. All right. Okay, now, I, now that I've found them... Uh, I can do one from Hit the Targets. How much actual stuff happened in this book? Could you condense this book down to a page? You know, the thing is, while not a lot of interesting stuff happened, the fact that they kept having to jump planets 
and be like, now we have to go here and meet this person and get this thing. And it was just lots of fetch quests and whatnot. Like, I don't know. I feel like you could excise the entire lock part of this book and not miss anything. No, but it did happen in the book. <laughs> no, I know. But like, if you're condensing the book down to its cliff notes, you could leave out the part where she throws a snake at a guy. Nah, that's important. <laughs> I would have said the most important thing about the entire lock planet shit would be the part where uh, where Finn kills Perali, because that's just one of the establishing evidence sequences that he's secretly a bad guy. Yeah. But otherwise, it's just a big old nothing happens here. Also, the the whole part where we go to the to that moon, we go to Rory. That just that was just nothing. That was nothing. That it didn't matter at all. Nope. It was basically a chapter and a half of. Uh, Dusk needs to figure her shit out and decide if she wants to go with Finn, and then it is decided for her. Maybe two pages. Maybe condense down to two pages, and, and you'd pretty much get it across. Because a lot of a lot of Dusk's actions, you could just write down as Dusk was fooled. <laughs> Dusk a fool. Dusk was dragged around. Uh. Dusk exuant stage right pursued by the Empire. Oh. So that's yeah. There's a lot that you could skip there. Uh, uh, did this novel uh, convey infatuation more or less believably than the prequels? Well, the prequels have more gaps in the years because you've got the first novel, the first prequel being set like eight or nine years before the second one. Yep. So you can have, I mean, it doesn't develop the infatuation, but it leaves the space where it would have made sense. Ah. Where this book, it's just like she meets Finn. She's instantly like, ooh, a man. Oh, I'm way into his double mohawks and its creepy, terrifying black shark eyes. <laughs> Dude looks like the mutant leader and it is working for me. <laughs> and I am into it. <laughs> That's so crash. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, I, I don't know. The pro the uh, the problem with the the infatuation scenes that happen in uh, the the prequels isn't so much that it's hard to believe that two young, sexy, rich, and powerful people fall in love because that makes sense. It makes sense that Anakin and Padme would fall in love. The, what doesn't make sense in the prequels is that everyone else is such a fucking idiot around them. Ah. And they keep being like, hey, you two, why don't you go to planet fuck and hang out and don't fuck? <laughs> it's a very important mission. I need you to go to Naboo and hang out with her in a sex castle. I need you I need you to go to the planet of bare rugs and fireplaces and not get down and dirty. Yeah, have a bunch of picnics near waterfalls. Uh but you know, don't don't fool around at all. Okay? Go to you two. Go hang out on Naboo for a long time, but leave the door open. <laughs> uh leave room that for part Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, that part doesn't make any fucking sense. Like uh, the people in the handlers, Obi-Wan in particular, has to just be an absolute moron to let what's happening happen. I mean, I will say, I feel like at least in the novel, the fact that we got some inner monologue gives us some reason for why, like, oh yeah, sure, we we can kind of get why Dusk is into Finn, and the circumstances of them coming together as far as, like, oh, they've been thrown into this adventure and, you know, everything's a whirlwind of weird nonsense and everyone's out of their comfort zone. That makes sense. But when it's like, hey, I've I've just been in Jedi Academy and you've been rich. Hey, do you like me? Yes, of course I do. Here in the script, it says so. 
Yeah. No, you're right. And you have this whole thing where Dusk is coming, kind of shaking off the uh, the blinders that she's been living under for the last couple of years by kind of having self-doubt and so on. And along comes a sexy, confident person. Like, obviously, she's going to get smitten with them right away. Yeah, I get so, it. So it, it, it makes sense. It just isn't very interesting. No, it's a bad romance, but it's still <laughs> better than Twilight. Mm-hmm. And plus, I want your bad romance. So... That it makes sense to me. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, okay. Here we got. We got one more before we go to that end one. Uh, and it was what Star Wars video game do you think would actually make a good backdrop for an EU novel? And which one would be worse than Star Wars Galaxies? And that comes from Lona Gilly. Uh, I mean, or Lone Gilly. I don't know. Maybe squadrons. Probably. I don't know. Uh, okay, that would make a best of the best backdrop for an EU novel. Yeah, squadrons would work, given that people really enjoy the other Star Wars novels about squadrons, like you know, uh, X Wing and Tie Fighter books and Alphabet Squadron and what have Rogue Squadron. Those books are popular, so that would probably make a whole lot of sense. I would have gone with Masters of Terra's Kazi uh, as the uh, worst. Yes, because, obviously. No, no, no. It's the best because it's just what's this? Oh, everyone fights. Everyone constantly getting gets in fights. That's what MMOs are. Perfect. That would be a terrible book. (laughs) It'd be like a Mortal Kombat novelization. Yes. Awful. Uh, Probably. You're probably right. For worst, I would probably go with Super Bombad Racing, Uh, uh, which which is a big head kart race Star Wars game. Oh, yeah. Although that would make a pretty funny EU novel. Uh, (laughs) Or Star Wars Demolition, the one that's just like Vigilante 8, but it's Star Wars cars. I mean... You say that, and yet now that I'm thinking about it, a novel set entirely within a demolition derby of the Star Wars universe sounds rad. Does sound rad, especially if you kept it to the playable vehicles that were in that game, because it was a ludicrous assortment. Oh, yeah. The worst one is obviously the Super Star Wars for the (laughs) SNES, because it would just be the original trilogy with weird, shitty options thrown in. And then Luke ran slightly to the left and slashed another little tiny Dianoga. <laughs> You'd be like, why are there so many Dianoga? Also, holy shit, why are you fighting the entire Sarlacc pit? Man, the Sandcrawler part of this book takes so fucking long. <laughs> it's funny how those those games really did get way better from one to the next. Man, Super Star Wars did not set a good precedent. It's a gorgeous game. It is too hard by, by fucking three halves. <laughs> It is impossibly complicated and difficult, and it, did, it had no reason to be. Yeah, well. All right, we got the last question. That is right. You want to ask it? All right. Uh, have you ever thought of diving into the prequel era? And I know you are going light on the children's books, but the Jedi Apprentice books are some nonsense. <laughs> so, uh, have we ever thought of diving into the prequel era? My goodness, we have, and in fact, we are just about to, because it's time to announce the next book. Oh, snap! All right, here it comes. As always, I'm going to start by reading the back, and then we'll go over the title. It's Kill or Be Killed in the Space Penitentiary that houses the galaxy's worst criminals, who must face off in gladiatorial combat while an underworld gambling empire reaps the profits of the illicit blood sport. 
But the newest contender in this savage arena is fighting for more than just survival. His do-or-die mission is to capture the ultimate weapon that will enable his Sith Masters to conquer the galaxy. But standing in the way are a bloodthirsty prison warden, a cannibal gang, cutthroat crime lord Jabba the Hutt, and an unspeakable alien horror. No one else could brave such a gauntlet of death and live. But no one else is the dreaded dark side disciple known as Riddick. Darth Maul. <laughs> it's Riddick. Yeah, it's it's uh, we're doing the Butcher Bay novelization. We're doing Chronicles of Riddick Star Wars. <laughs> we're going to be doing Maul Lockdown is our next book. It's a prequel era book starring, uh, I believe, still legged Darth Maul. Yes. And now gets, he's in prison. And it's caged heat. (laughs) Will Darth Maul find romance? He gets stuck in sexy Sith prison where they keep blasting him with a hose. (laughs) All right, prisoner, take off your shirt and it's time to get hosed down. (laughs) You drive a hard bargain, warden. Uh, Oh, man. Now my pants are all wet. I should take those off, too. (laughs) Maybe we'll read our own novel. (laughs) Now we have done this. This I think this might be the first time we're repeating an author. This is Joe Schreiber. Uh, Joe Schreiber, known for uh, for us, he wrote the zombie novel that we did already. Fuck yes! And apparently, he excels in writing ultra punchy, gory, stupid Star Wars books, which is why I'm, I, I picked this. I am excited. The one yeah, so, book we've read where I was like, "That was neat." <laughs> so I've heard this book sucks, but sucks in a fun way. So I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, good. It's like a shitty action movie. Then I'm wonderful. Exact- yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's a Darth Maul movie. I mean, what else was would it, would it have been? Uh, I'm excited. All right. So uh, there you go. That's coming soon. As always, though, folks, uh, just because we didn't really talk about any chapters of book today doesn't mean there's not bonus content coming. So go and support us on the Patreon, patreon.com slash system mastery at the $2 level. And uh, you will unlock some fascinating content where we go to Wikipedia and deep dive into something stupid and then tell you all about it. Yep. This is your uh, last chance to, I don't know, probably find out anything about star Wars galaxies. So get in on that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Fuck that. But, uh, <laughs> But yeah, at the $2 level, you'll unlock that content, plus all the the uh, the System Mastery bonus content. There's also a $5 level that unlocks even more stuff, the Afterthought Podcast and John's new show, TV Mastery. Mm. So much to do. I mean, I'm on it, too. I just It's just John's running it. It's just my show. So, yeah, and don't I get me wrong. And I could fire you at any moment. <laughs> I'd like to see you try. I'm too important to this company. <laughs> I'll take you down with me. I know secrets. <laughs> I'll turn on you. <laughs> I'll milkshake duck you so hard. <laughs> By which I mean, I'll get you a milkshake and then we'll go watch ducks. Ooh, that sounds pleasant. You're rehired. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, until such time as we see you again, I've been Elan Sleece Bagiano. And I love milkshakes. <laughs>